Welcome to your number one source of information on women's pelvic health. On this podcast, you will hear from medical experts, pelvic health professionals, holistic healers, and patients themselves in order to learn and understand everything there is to know about regaining and maintaining your pelvic health and becoming your own best advocate for your pelvic floor, the most vital part of our bodies as women. All of the conversations are intimate, raw, and unedited in order to deliver the most authentic information possible. Before we begin this episode, I want to tell you about an unbelievable company called Nunamed. Nunamed has created a urinary tract support tea made solely from herbs which have been tested and proven to both prevent and treat UTIs. My pelvic floor physical therapist recently told me about this product as another one of her patients actually created it. The story behind Nunamed is crazy. The founder, Allie, was in a horrible accident a few years ago that resulted in a spinal cord injury, which then led to pelvic floor problems. Allie now catheters every day, which led to the development of recurrent UTIs. From having to take so many antibiotics to treat these UTIs, she ultimately ended up with antibiotic resistance. When she came across support tea from a naturopathic doctor, she felt compelled to put her education to work and test, source, package, and scale it in order to bring it to a larger audience. So when I found out about this product, I of course ordered it immediately, and I can tell you it really, really works, even just to calm my bladder regardless of a UTI or not. I've tried endless amounts of natural products throughout my life, and this is truly one of the only ones that I've seen to have almost immediate results. It's proven to be 80% effective on patients and is definitely worth a shot if you get UTIs and are looking for a first-line treatment option. It works best when consumed right when your symptoms start in order to prevent a UTI you feel coming on or to treat one that you know you already have. However, I just want to make it clear that sometimes antibiotics are necessary, so if you do have an infection, always consult with your doctor. With that said, this tea has worked wonders for me, and I definitely think it's something worth trying. So if you or anyone you know suffers from UTIs, head to nunamed.com, that's N-U-N-A-M-E-D.com, and enter promo code BYUTI, B-Y-E-U-T-I, at checkout for 20% off your first order. Once again, that's nunamed.com, and the promo code is BYUTI. Today we are here with Jenna. She is one of the founders of the Endometriosis Coalition and I'm really excited to hear your story and how you got started in this field of work. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Long story short, I was diagnosed with endometriosis officially um, in 2015 but started having symptoms of it in 2013 mm-hmm. um, and then didn't receive proper treatment for it until the 2016. Um, for me, that felt like a really long time. Yeah. Um, but I learned later that I'm kind of one of the lucky ones that it took me three to four years mm-hmm. to figure out the system as opposed to, to 10, like right. it does for most women. Um, I'm a nurse by trade. I had been a nurse for about six and a half years at that point. And had never heard about the disease or knew anything of the disease until I was told that I might have it. Mm -hmm. And 
just the obstacles that I faced in navigating the system and trying to get a diagnosis and trying to figure out proper treatment and trying to figure out what the accurate sources for what the proper treatment was, finding the right doctors, getting yeah. to the right doctors, it was so hard for me. Mm-hmm. And I figured if it was that difficult for me, someone with a medical background, I can't even imagine what the average woman is going through right. trying to navigate that. And so um, I created a social media profile on Instagram mm-hmm. to kind of track my journey first personally for myself because I felt like I needed a place where I could be honest about the things yeah. that I was going through, pelvic pain and anything re- revolving that area is just mm-hmm. so taboo still and so I didn't feel comfortable talking to people about it right so I created like an alias Instagram <laughs> um, and just met so many other women who were dealing with the exact same things that I was and found such a support system mm-hmm. um, and I met my my co-founder on right. Instagram and That's so amazing yeah yeah interestingly she's from Australia uh-huh. and had the same exact story of just wow so many years of misdiagnosis and poor treatment um, and we both decided that we wanted to do something to change mm-hmm. to change that narrative for other women right yeah that's amazing thank I love you. hearing those stories thank you and also I guess we can first backtrack so mm-hmm. you work as a nurse yeah and can you give like a little background kind of about that line of work because I just feel like that's always so interesting and does mm-hmm. relate to women's health Sure, absolutely. Um, well, school typically is, for me, I did a four-year right. bachelor's program, so I did um, two years of just straight nursing classes, and women's health was one of them. Right. Um, never, I don't distinctly remember having any period where we specifically talked about pelvic pain. Right. Um, I remember a lot of OB talk, mm-hmm. a lot of mother-baby talk, mm-hmm. but I don't remember really diving into um, pain as right. far as a topic of discussion for women's yeah. health. Um, so that whole world was just completely foreign to me, honestly, until I had to start dealing with it mm-hmm. myself. So before that, my background, um, I worked in general surgery. So I took care of people postoperatively that had like kidney transplants and liver transplants. Um, and then I transitioned into taking care of cancer patients. And that is what I had been doing for the last four years mm-hmm. leading up to my diagnosis. And so now if we move to the endometriosis coalition mm-hmm. can you tell us about that in more detail and kind of like how you started it and what work you do mm-hmm. with it and where it is now sure yeah so the mission of the endo co for short mm-hmm. um, is that we want to raise awareness right promote reliable education and help increase research funding for endometriosis and we felt that those three pillars were for us were mm-hmm. the most important and the most um, the, e- the things that we can most easily make an impact in um, as far as awareness goes not just amongst women who mm-hmm. have the disease but the general public too yeah because I think we all know that diseases that people know about that are more affected by it get more attention right and thereby get more research funding, more interest in wanting to do research. Um, And I think that the shame and stigma that comes along with a disease that's Mm -hmm. surrounded by period pain keeps women from talking about it, which keeps people in their lives from knowing anything about it, which keeps 
the public, I think, just blind to the fact that it affects so many women. Right. Um, so awareness was big for us. Mm -hmm. And um, the public, like we said, but also awareness for women who, mm -hmm. like me, had never even heard of the disease before right. and have been in pain for their entire lives and didn't know that there was a disease that it, they could attribute that to. Right. And so that was a big thing we wanted to do was, was spread awareness. And social media has been obviously just great for us yeah. being able to do that. Um, so our first fundraising campaign, was it was a simple concept, but something um, that we were really proud of and felt really strongly about. It mm -hmm. was as simple as just a bracelet. It was um, designed by a company that wanted to work with a nonprofit, and um, it was a knotted design, and it was hand-tied knot, came in silver gold and rose gold, and then it had the endoco inscribed on it. And our goal for that piece was that we wanted an awareness piece that wasn't so, like, in your face, mm -hmm. this is for endometriosis, right. um, but that could also be a conversation starter yeah. that anybody could look at and say, oh, that's a really pretty bracelet. And you could say, oh, well, by the way, it has, a story, it has behind a story behind it. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's and amazing. Yeah. So we got a lot of great feedback that they were that from women that they were able to have conversations with people that just started with a compliment from their bracelet, something that simple. How cool. Wow. What have you seen as like certain outcomes or positive things that have that like you've take you've seen come from the Endoco throughout the journey? Absolutely. Um, so a, a lot of our platform, like mm -hmm. I said, is on social media. So education is a big one, and it's really a passion of mine. It's what I'm studying to get my master's degree in nursing is in education. Right. And so. Um, being able to explain things to people mm -hmm. in a way that's really easily digestible uh, and that doesn't feel like medical jargon to them. So right. the majority of w everything that's on our website, um, the resources that we um, divert people to through our website and everything that we post on our Instagram and Facebook pages um, are things that we feel would have been really helpful for us to know mm -hmm. in the beginning of our endometriosis journeys things that um, maybe if you did just a regular Google search would not be very accurate. Mm -hmm. We like to include sources that are credible so that it's not just coming from us, it's coming from a place that you can trust. Um, and we like to promote a holistic view of living with the disease. Education obviously is great and it's important to know, but also things that are equally as important like diet. Right. And giving tips and suggestions yeah. on, on things that are helpful, like low inflammation um, and things that can, you know, decrease um, sensitivities to different foods that might be triggers, right. things like that. Um, and then also just creating a community for women to have a place where they feel like they're getting information from people that get it. Mm -hmm. And I think that has been the biggest impact is that when they're reaching out to us, they know that we understand where, they're, where they are yeah. and what they're going through. Um, another huge impact has been the ability to refer women that reach out to us to specialists, mm -hmm. um, whether it's in their that's area. And that's like so yeah. important. That's been a huge one. Because there's a great group on Facebook called Nancy's Nook for Endometriosis uh -huh. Care. Um, but a lot of people don't have Facebook. Right. And so that kind of, kind of, takes one really, really, really great source of information, but it's only, it's limited to people mm -hmm. that only use that platform. 
Um, so when we get direct questions of who should I see and what should I do, I think that has been one of the biggest impacts we've made in being able to refer people to sure. to doctors. I mean, um, for my personal page, I have spoken to people from different countries mm -hmm. who I have helped them find specialists who have come right. to the United States right. to get care. And I think that without social media, obviously, we wouldn't be able to have that reach. Um, and I think that the community that we've built, I think, has just been really impactful for a lot of women. That's incredible. And I just, I think that finding specialists is one of the components of having any sort of health issue that's yeah. so hard and takes so much time mm -hmm. and so much research and having some sort of platform like the one you created where it just like makes it seamless for people who suffer from endometriosis mm -hmm. in, in this conversation to be able to get put in touch, easily put in touch with people who like you and your partner have already vetted and mm -hmm. know that are really good doctors and resources for them is so beneficial. Yeah, and I think it's just a matter of continuing to spread the information. So yeah. like my partner and I would have never found the information if we had never come across Nancy's Nook and found the information. Right. And we could have easily just stopped there, found right. our good doctors, gotten our surgeries, recovered yeah. and been done and said, I'm glad I found that and moved on. But to me, I can't have knowledge like that and keep that to myself. Yeah. Um, similar. Right. I yeah. feel like it was my duty that if there's a way that I can make it so that a woman doesn't have to go through seven different doctors right. before she finds the right one. You're going to help. I'm going to help. I'm yeah. do what I can to help. And also, I just another kind of point that just came to mind and that I talk a lot about in general with people who have any sort of health issues and specifically a lot on this podcast is kind of bringing these chronic health problems to... A positive light and kind of saying you know like this is something that no one wants to obviously have no one should have like I wouldn't wish any of these issues upon anyone but with that said it just kind of does give you a new perspective on your own health on the health of other people mm -hmm. on healing on your body on your sexual health like there's so many things that you learn and it takes people like you and me and another woman I enter I mean anyone who works in this field mm -hmm. usually went through something of their own in order to do what they do now and yeah. so like endometriosis is a horrible condition but you know you're starting this amazing platform from it that is able to help so many people and I think that that's such a positive thing to all of the unfortunate health problems that so many of us face mm -hmm. but I think that it really takes someone like you to create that conversation and provide resources and access and education to people who don't have it and most people yeah. in the country don't have that education right, right. and and a great point that you made yeah. in that you know living with these diseases is terrible and one thing Natalie and I found was that a lot of the groups that focused on the mm -hmm. disease there was there's there's a place for venting and getting right. your frustrations out living with endometriosis sucks right right like to be able to have authentic conversations with people that understand that is very therapeutic mm -hmm. but then then the tone has to shift to so what are we going to do about right. it because like just a plan of us action. all just complaining yeah. is not helping us and yeah. it's not helping anyone um and so we just were feeling like there's not really a place for us mm -hmm. to talk to other women that have this disease 
that also like feel empowered and want to do something about it. And and we felt like there was that missing niche within our world mm -hmm. where there was an organization that wanted to do something by women who had the disease, but that we weren't going to have a victim mentality about how we right. lived with this disease. Like it sucks. And we are not going to diminish that, but we when we work together are all so powerful and we can create real change. Mm -hmm. And so let's do what we can to right. change things for the next generation. Right. You know? And also, this is not to put down doctors in any sense at all. Doctors are amazing and so valuable mm -hmm. to all of us. But I think that there's also so much value to just other individuals who aren't doctors mm -hmm and but who have been through the same type of chronic condition that you have so you know people are reaching out to you because they know that you've been through what they're going through mm -hmm. whereas maybe a doctor they're going to go to a doctor but mm -hmm. there's just a component that is like sometimes missing where they don't know how that patient is necessarily feeling or the yeah. patient might say you're this doctor's so helpful but they don't know how i'm feeling because they don't have this problem mm -hmm. but you know someone like you they can talk to you and they know that you can relate to what they're going through Absolutely. on a much more personal level. And I think that there's so much value to that. And I mean, I've found it just like through the podcast as well is that I am by no means a doctor, but I'm like an outlet to people who have pelvic pain and they like to talk to me or to even like pelvic pain, like there's Facebook groups, there's mm -hmm. so many Facebook groups. They like talking to each other because they all can relate because Absolutely. they all have the same pain. Absolutely, and I always like to say that um, sympathy and empathy are not the right. same thing. They don't look the same and you can't expect both things from everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, my family, um, they love me, they care for me, they've mm -hmm. seen what I've gone through. They can sympathize right. with what I've gone through, but they can't truly really empathize with what it's really like to live my life every mm -hmm. day because they've never lived it. Yeah. Whereas this random person on the street you know, on Facebook right. or Instagram is very much living the same day to day that I am where everything's unpredictable and they don't know when their pain's going to come and their days are filled with specialist appointments and yeah. their bags are full of medications. And when they're just not feeling up to doing something, um, being able to just say, I just don't want to do it versus feeling like you have to make an excuse as yeah. to why there's something I think just really really therapeutic mm -hmm. being able to talk to people who can truly empathize like i actually have two subgroups of support systems right i have my my people that just love me for me and have known me forever and so are able to just give me encouragement in that way mm -hmm. and then i have my people that i can text and call and talk about the ugly stuff the messy stuff that you know what i mean yeah. like give them the play-by-play -play on how my appointment went with yeah. my gastroenterologist because i haven't pooped in 10 days you know right. like they're, they're gonna get it that yeah. and they're gonna know what to say to me that's yeah. gonna help me feel better mm -hmm. you know completely and i feel like it's also it mu i mean it must be so rewarding to have created this community that you know people are a part of mm -hmm. and helping each other yeah within this community absolutely absolutely i think that's just very special and um, necessary for mm. many different women's health issues. It's so important. And so your co-founder is based in New York. Yes. Or she lives in New York and mm -hmm. you're in LA. Yes. How does that work? How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Um, it obviously works, but I'm just curious yeah, like so what the dynamic. Right, yeah. so we are a California-based charity. We're incorporated right. here, um, but we have 
three acting board members, mm -hmm. um, myself, Natalie, and another woman, her name is Jillian, who we also met online, who's in law school right now, right. also has endometriosis. Um, and so everything we do is, is remote. Mm -hmm. um, our meetings are through Google Hangout or Skype. Right. Um, a lot of just communication, written and phone and right. text and all of that. And so as far as what our platform is right now, being remote works because the internet is our main tool. Mm -hmm. So we don't really have to be together. Um, but as we grow and you know hope to have events and things like that, um, obviously that could yeah. get a little more complicated. Yeah. Um, but we see it as being something where we'll, we'll have chapters in multiple cities, right. depending on where the members of our team are as we continue to grow. So it's not just the people that in California that benefit from the work that we do on right. the ground when we get to that point. Really cool. Mm -hmm. And then have you met, I mean, I, I know that you, I'm sure you have, but specifically like who, I'm sure that you've met so many interesting people mm -hmm. throughout this journey and people who have endometriosis, is there any specific story or like memorable or special story of someone that you've met throughout this kind of journey? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a few. Yeah. Some of the best people in my life right now mm -hmm. are people that I met as strangers on the internet. Right, um, which is so cool. It is And cool. I just had this conversation yeah. earlier with another podcast I was doing, but she does a lot of um, she's like a journalist mm -hmm. and she met she's met so many people on the and she actually this is so interesting so she posted she wrote an article for InStyle about painful sex and it was the art the title of the article was when it was like DIY treatments for painful sex when doctors don't listen this is how people have cured or helped their own sexual pain and she mm -hmm. kind of wrote she started to have painful sex and she wrote in this for this Facebook group forum that she was in about that she's having painful sex has anyone experienced this if so what have they done and she said like within an hour she was getting she had like 50 messages from people mm -hmm. on how they've helped their own painful sex and the like list went on through you know mindfulness diet cutting out soy using forea that the lubricant that has thc in it yeah um viewing sexual activities in a different way mm -hmm. so there was all of these things that she realized all these people were having but it brings me back to the point of the internet and how some people you know put down the internet which mm -hmm. is totally fair and i think that the internet causes a lot of problems but at the same time it's this amazing tool mm -hmm. that connects so many people Absolutely. today that in previous generations was not possible yeah. when it's used responsibly right yeah, it's a, it's a great tool. And I think especially in the chronic illness world and not just with pelvic pain and yeah. endometriosis, I see it with all diseases, that mm -hmm. there's these communities that are forming, um, like I said, for information, for yeah. education, and for support. And I think it's really changing the face of what it means to be a patient because it also makes us more informed before our doctors. Mm -hmm. um, the days of having a patient just come and sit in front of you and just yes everything you tell them i think those days it's are changing over. Yeah. yeah i think that we are um we're so much more educated uh -huh. which i think makes us so much more empowered to make the right decisions and to have a say in how our care goes which right. I, I think is it's different right yeah are there any stories that you have of some interesting sure. people that you've met yeah so um natalie obviously first right. and foremost who i didn't actually meet in person until a year after we 
formed. That's so Yendo cool, Co. though. Yeah, yeah, which is amazing to meet her. Um, our third partner, Jillian, is actually mm-hmm. going to be a bridesmaid in my wedding in two months. Congratulations. Thank <laughs> you. Um, I met a woman from Kenya. Her mm-hmm. name is Jambi, and she's a musician there who um, was going through a lot of the same issues that I had. Um, there's a subgroup of us with endometriosis where it's actually, it invades the chest cavity, and they mm-hmm. call it thoracic endometriosis. And it's rare, um, but it happens. Mm-hmm. And so not only do we already have a disease that most doctors don't believe is as painful or does exist, um, we also have the most rare form of it. So then they really think you're crazy when you're coming in saying, I can't breathe and my chest hurts every time I get my period. So I shared a lot about my experience with thoracic endometriosis specifically um, on my social media and was a huge advocate for what those signs look like and Um, how to not be dismissed if you feel like you're experiencing them and sharing my journey in traveling to get care in Atlanta to have the disease removed. That's what we're one of the main centers for um, endometriosis in general, but specifically thoracic endometriosis Mm -hmm. is it's called the center for endometriosis care. Um, So I was a huge advocate for sending women in that direction who reach out to me that they think they might have thoracic endometriosis. Um, and so in just sharing my story, and I would share updates, um, weekly updates after my surgery, so people knew how I was doing to show that it was successful or what my roadblocks were, like everything was on the table. I was completely transparent about everything I went through. Um, and I had a woman from Kenya reach out to me and say, you know, I have been living with this disease in my chest for so long. I've had multiple lung collapses every month that I have my period. I've lost count of how many chest tubes they've had to put in me. Um, And just in talking to me, she learned about the Center for Endometriosis Care in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And this past year came to the U.S. to have surgery with my surgeon. And I would say that was probably one of the most impactful communications and relationships that I've had it's still surreal to me that That is surreal just in sharing what I went through someone in a completely different country was able to get good care wow and she's amazing she's so amazing and it now don't you want to like meet her yes and we've (laughs) talked about it all the time that we need to meet it's so cute I told my mom about her and my mom calls her and they talk on the phone (gasps) and it's you know it's it's really special. special yeah yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm so glad that you shared that. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, of course. Exactly. What would be the most or one of the most important or valuable things that you've learned through starting the Endoco? Well, that might be a hard question. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's it is a hard question. Yeah. <laughs> In starting the Endoco. Mm-hmm. Um or throughout your journey with endometriosis, honestly, whatever. Yeah, it yeah, is. absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, I would say is being informed as a patient is the most important thing. And I completely agree with yeah. that. Yeah. I think that for me personally, especially being a nurse and I was being treated at the hospital that I worked at, which was right. a, a nationally acclaimed hospital, I didn't question anything. Yeah. They told me it was what it was and I believed them and they told me what I needed to do and I believed them. That's so interesting. Yeah, Yeah. I did no research, nothing. And now looking back, I'm like, you you today would have never done Done that. Done that, right. Never done that Mm -hmm. in a million years. And so I would say being informed first and foremost Mm -hmm. is the most important thing and advocating for yourself is also really important. 
um, especially when it comes, I think, to female diseases, especially pain when we're not really taken seriously or, um, you know, it, we're dismissed a lot. Yeah. Um, and so advocating for yourself, I think, is really, really important. And then as far as what I've learned from the Endoco, mm -hmm. um, I think I've learned that there are so many layers to why we are where we are with women's health-centered diseases mm -hmm. and that it's not one thing that's going to fix any of the problems and that sometimes it can feel really big yeah and it can feel like how am I ever going to make a difference when there is so much that needs to be fixed but then realizing in those little stories and those little ways and mm -hmm. that one woman that you were able to help to have avoid having yeah. a surgery she didn't need or just have somebody that can listen to her um those little things matter right they make a tremendously tremendously people talking more about the disease matters yeah. um people hearing more about the disease matters and so it may feel small um but i think for any woman anytime she shares her story publicly or personally even if it's just amongst one person i think it's the the magnitude of what that could do for somebody else's life i think is huge I completely agree, and it really makes an impact. Like, yeah. I think that only, it only takes one person Absolutely. to share their story for then another person to share their mm -hmm. story, and then another person. And the more people start sharing their stories, yeah. the more everyone in society will be more comfortable talking about all of these problems mm -hmm. that are not spoken about. Mm -hmm. And I understand it's scary. Very. I mean, you're putting yourself in a very vulnerable position for people to judge. Um, to dismiss, to chastise, whatever it might be. You. Exactly, yeah. and I think that that's a, a, that's the fear of a lot of women. I think the embarrassment of how do I explain a disease mm -hmm. that affects my sexual health and how I go to the bathroom and like yeah. who wants to hear about that? Yeah. Um, so it is. It's really hard. It's not an easy thing to do. And I, I'll say even now myself, sometimes I question, do I talk about it too much? Yeah. <laughs> Am I becoming that person that that's all I talk about? Yeah. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, I don't care. I'm not yeah. going to miss an opportunity to um, talk to somebody who may not have ever heard the mm. word endometriosis or pelvic floor dysfunction right. or whatever it may be. So if people get tired of hearing it, then I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I completely agree. And I think about the same thing myself sometimes when I meet people or just in general with friends or family that I see often, it's like, is this, do I want to, I mean, especially when I'm meeting people, I always kind of hesitate, like, do I want to talk about this? Do I not want to talk about it? Mm -hmm. But I think more and more I, I have like come to realize that this is something I talk about a lot. This is something I will continue to talk about a lot. It's yeah. something that's important and that needs to be shared. So yeah. why refrain? Absolutely. And it's so much a part of our life. It's, yeah. it's not who we are. It doesn't right. define us. But it's such a, a part of our life that I think, for me at least at this point, to have any conversation with somebody who I want to be in my life or um, I want to have any kind of relationship and that not ever come up as mm -hmm. a subject of conversation, Yeah. how genuine of a relationship is, is that it? Yeah. if I don't feel like I can share that with you? And that's kind of been – that's been really telling for me uh -huh. is um, – taking inventory of the relationships in my life right. and the people that I had around me before I got sick 
during when I had sick, got sick. Yeah. And post, I mean, I still have issues, obviously. Right. Um, but I'm not in the worst place that I was before. And it's really eye-opening. Mm-hmm. I think especially being young. Yeah. Um, seeing who sticks around. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And who who cares, who truly cares. And who understands. Who understands. And exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's been really, really eye-opening. Yeah. I think that's something that probably most people with any sort of health issue could relate to. Mm-hmm. It's like, at the end of the day, who are the people that are there for you? Yeah, definitely. But I think being younger, it's even more difficult. Yeah. Because we're supposed to be in our prime and nothing's supposed to exactly. be wrong with us. And, and so. I, that's something that, yeah, yeah, I always think about that. Yeah. I've lost track. Um, of how many patients how old that are, are you I'm 32 uh-huh. have said to me uh, oh but you don't have to worry about that or wait until you have to and I'm yeah. thinking oh you no. have no yeah. idea yeah. <laughs> where this body's been yeah you know um, it's just this assumption that we make that yeah um, everybody that's young is able-bodied and I know well yeah it's so crazy mm-hmm. and I've been thinking about that exact thing like I mean, I've always thought about it, but more and more so recently. And it's just like, when you're in your 20s and your 30s, you're supposed to, supposed to I put that in quotes, but like society has told you that mm-hmm. you're supposed to be healthy. Everything's supposed to be good. At the end of the day, that's not true at all. Yeah. And even a few weeks ago, I had a friend of mine who has, who's a guy and he has had pelvic pain for many years. And he was on the podcast, he shared his story and he said, you know, like, I said to him, like, what do you think caused your pain? And he fell and he had hernias and he had a bunch of other issues. He had testicular pain for like three years. And he was like, and it kind of just all resolved. He went to a lot of doctors in Manhattan and he did a lot of different treatments and he doesn't really know what worked and what didn't, but Mm -hmm. a few years later it all resolved. And he said, you know what? I really think one of the things that no one kind of addresses or talks about is that your body goes through a lot of changes in your 20s and you're in your 30s now but like Mm -hmm. in those years of your life and he said I kind of think my body like was going through changes and things just weren't happy Mm -hmm. and my body like kind of healed itself and grew out of it Mm -hmm. and like I mean that that's one example and he's just that's one case but we talked and he talked about the, the fact that he's like your body does weird stuff when you're young, just yeah. as it does when you're old. Yeah. And like, he's like, I don't know why, how, what, like, I don't, I don't know. I can't put my finger on anything, mm-hmm. but my body was going through some shit. And yeah, I was 20, a 25 year old guy. And I was supposed to be dating and having sex and doing all of these things. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do it as well as I wanted to, but yeah, that was, you know, yeah. and I think it just shows that like men and women have so many different struggles throughout all of their life and it's not just when you're older mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah ageism exists and I think it has, <laughs> no it's a good it, yeah. that was a valid rant yeah. I, I think that's one area where yeah our society's a little bit um ageist that, yeah you know young means healthy yeah yeah interesting mm-hmm. and like you can you the goal is like you'll overcome these obstacles mm-hmm. and the later years in your life can be just as amazing if not better yeah. um what are some if you have any like resources that besides for the endoco that mm-hmm. you want to share or that you think are valuable and any other information that you have sure yeah as far as resources go if we're, if we're speaking specifically about endometriosis uh-huh. like i mentioned nancy's right. nook is amazing is it is the bible yeah. <laughs> of all things endometriosis a lot of great 
education, um, evidence-based education. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's stuff that you can trust. Right. Um, but then she also has a list of specialists, an international list that she personally vets herself. And so you can um, talk to other women who have seen these doctors and get direct feedback. Mm -hmm. So you're not, you know, playing the, is this going to be the right doctor for me game and having to go to a bunch of a million appointments before you find the right, right one. You can talk to a bunch of women and say, okay, generally most people are doing well that's and, amazing. and had the yeah. experience, and that's how I chose my surgeon that way. So um, that's a great resource. I think um, that the Center for Endometriosis Care, mm -hmm. their website is full of so, so, so much information as well. Um, and as far as social media goes, I think What's been really cool, I think, is that a, a lot of doctors are now on social media. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing women be able to talk to pelvic floor physical therapists and talk to, right, right to There's talk everyone to surgeons. Yeah. Everyone's on it now. Yeah. Um, and so uh, honestly, I'd, I'd say Instagram is, is a huge mm -hmm. resource. Mm -hmm. um, if you just search any hashtag related to what you're looking for, whether it's pelvic pain or endometriosis, you'll find so much, so much, yeah, so much. That's amazing. And also, just to your point, is that people who have been through these types of things and also doctors who treat these conditions, mm -hmm. they want to talk about this. Like, if you message someone on Instagram or on Facebook, mm -hmm. like, odds are most people will respond to you and, like, be very receptive to having a conversation because this is what they do for a living. Or this is, you know, if you're a patient, this is what you've been through. And people like mm -hmm. talking about this. And yeah. even someone said, like, oh, you know, I, something about like having these people come on the podcast like why they why would they want to do it and I kind of was like you know if they don't want to they don't want to but a lot of people whether they're patients or doctors or both like they want to they, this is what they do for a living they mm -hmm. want to share their story they want to get education out there even if they're not necessarily getting paid to do it it's yeah. like such a big part of their life that they like want to help other people and they want to share information mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that they would be on those platforms if they if they weren't if right. they weren't open to helping in some way. Right. Um, there's been so many pelvic floor therapists that I've learned so much from just mm -hmm. in the, the content that they post on Instagram. On, yeah, on their Instagrams yeah. that I've gone back to my ther local therapist and say like, hey, I saw this. Could we right. try this this week? Right. Um, so just a wealth of. of really knowledgeable people yeah. giving away free information like yeah. you said. which is really cool yeah really really cool um where can people contact you if they want to chat or ask you any questions yeah so you can visit the endometriosis coalition website it's www.theendo.co mm -hmm. um for me personally my personal instagram account is life above underscore endo mm -hmm. and um the endometriosis coalition also has an instagram and it's the endo.co cool so i will get those messages in some way or form but the quickest way to reach out to me is through my personal okay cool yeah. and um i will link all of those in the show notes so okay. that people can just easily access them if they want to yeah. reach out to you sure okay Thank awesome. you for being here yeah. and for doing this. Of course, that was fun. So much helpful Yay. information. Yeah.